0: The following episode contains strong language, crude, and sexual humor. References to terrorism, references to death and violence, and references to drugs and alcohol. Alright, everybody, welcome to the first retcon report. The inaugural retcon report.
1: Isn't this like the third one of these we've fucking done? It,
0: it, we've, we've changed the name. That's the retcon.
1: Well, Yeah, yeah, sure. We definitely planned it out.
0: With this, we are going to be covering... Uh, we did two of them back in season one. We had a... You know, kind of the first half uh, when Sama was still with us, and then at the end after the season ended, we did a a what were then called the the metaverse discussions.
2: Meta doesn't
1: really work that well.
0: Yeah, it's got a different connotation now.
1: Except now with the whole Ratcon report being a Ratcon, it is a meta discussion.
0: So yeah, that time we did two of them. This season, I I wasn't really certain when we were going to slot one in. I'm kind of figuring out for next season what that'll be. So this will be an overview of the entirety of season two, which was nine episodes shorter than season one. I, I want to start with uh, to kick us off. Just thinking about the overall arc of the season, what your thoughts are uh, for your character before
3: we even get to that. Now that I can finally say it openly and publicly,
1: fuck you for that cliffhanger again, RC.
0: <laughs> and we'll come around to that for sure.
2: Yeah,
1: the season focused a lot on Yardak. Like that, it. I don't want to say like it wrapped up stuff in Atlantis, but like it wrapped it up enough that like we don't need to keep hammering at it, but it's still very much, like, there and, like, a present thing. Yard, what's-his-nuts is off being a douchebag somewhere. There's, like, that refugee group that's doing, like, their thing off the coast. Are you talking about Yard Trav? Yard Trav, that's his name. We put it to the back burner a bit, because, like, I felt like it was, like, the me show almost, well, the Yardak show almost, and I was like, I'm excited to get to see other people's things, because I felt, like, don't get me wrong, I can stick with Atlantis, it's fun. But, like, I am excited to see uh, Ruby Alien stuff and, like, Laserhawk being sad more stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I find that particularly interesting, and we're gonna get to that more when we talk about, you know, the really Lardac-focused arc. But I got someone who said that they felt like it was a really Laserhawk-heavy season, so I think that's interesting that your perspective was that it focused too much on yourself.
3: I was gonna say, it's actually really funny, because, like, uh looking over season 2 there weren't any like laser hawk centric arcs that i can think of I
1: just happen to burst in, like, the Kool-Aid man everywhere. That's exactly it. Is that, like, it's not focused on Laserhawk, but also you're the first person to be like, I'm gonna throw my meat popsicle body at this entire group of people and see what happens.
3: Yeah, I barge <laughs> in, like, I understand this group. I'm gonna try
1: and advance the plot. Yeah, that's also fair.
3: We're walking by a vending machine, and I understand how we are, so let me throw myself in danger so we don't spend 20 minutes talking about
1: chips. Yeah, I do love chips.
0: Rachel, how about you? What are your thoughts on the overall arc of season two and and Ruby in particular?
2: I think that Ruby was coming into her own slash maybe a little bit getting back to like her roots, especially in the last episode. Okay. Well, getting back into like, oh, going back into like the filmmaking and like talking more about like her day job, uh, finally getting some goddamn therapy.
0: I will mention that Dr. Bellum does work as a wonderful intro, episode intro, those sessions.
2: Chef's kiss. <laughs> oh, like, a lot of fantastical stuff was happening to Ruby in the first season, and I like that some of the, like, some normal stuff was happening to her this season, like, ah, I gotta deal with my boss.
1: Derek.
2: He's a soda for some reason.
1: Wait, why do I not remember Derek at all? Yeah, I don't know why you
0: don't remember Derek. How do you not remember that piece of shit?
1: <laughs>
0: Derek is her boss who plays Ultimate Frisbee, and he got mad at Brock for talking about free beer that didn't actually exist to distract everybody from decay. And also, it's the only person we've established that Ruby works with.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: So it sounds like I, uh, it sounds like I need to, uh, I need to really focus more on who you're, uh, who you're working with on the Space Cadet set. Uh,
2: that could, that could be Ruby's arc next season. <laughs> And I also really like seeing Ruby and Rickard, like, grow into, like, an actual relationship, as opposed to Rickard just being, like, gone for, like, most of season one.
0: Brandon, what what are your thoughts, again, on the overall arc of season two, and on Brock's arcs in particular?
3: I mean, I feel like we, as Dan mentioned, really did elaborate on Atlantis and Yardak really well. I feel like that was kind of the season-stealing set piece and Minus as a whole, like that entire plot thread, I thoroughly enjoyed that. As far as Brock goes, this has been a pretty solid act two to what I always imagined as a three-arc story for Brock Balea. Okay, I do honestly appreciate that a lot of Brock shit was more like background like i appreciate how much we were able to get done with the character despite the fact that no arc
1: was like the brock arc this season i think your arc was like emotional yeah like it wasn't so much story it was like the interpersonal connections of laser hawk
2: but also important yeah
0: yeah i was gonna say even the o- i was gonna say the only arc i would think of as being brock centric isn't about brock because it was the one you ran oh yeah I mean, that is so directly tied to who Brock backstory is. It's, it's our biggest introduction to the underground and to High Wind. And...
3: God, that was in season two, wasn't it? That's going to be fun to talk about.
0: Yeah, uh, that was uh, chapters uh, 48 and 49. So it was uh, eight episodes into the season. That's it? Yeah. Also, it's also funny that you all, a few of you, have mentioned about like Atlantis being a big feature when that was only six episodes of 31.
1: I mean, that's still like a fifth.
0: Oh, I'm not saying it's not a lot. It's a, ch- it's a, it's a chunk, but it's like the trial was a bigger, was a bigger arc overall in episodes.
3: That's fair, but the, uh, I feel like the entirety of the trial, like despite the fact that it might have taken up more time, it was always like more of a background thing. Like
2: that's true. I think we always had like there were very few episodes where we were like at the trial the whole time. Right. The trial as was more like the background season pl- story.
0: The B-plot of each episode. Yeah, the
2: B-plot of each episode, and then we go to Atlantis, and that's, like, that's it. That's that's what the episode is. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. That one had to be 100% only that while we were doing that.
2: And then also, we kept, like, you have wanted to, the Atlantis arc was supposed to be much shorter, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: my original plan was three, maybe four episodes, and it ended up being six, so, I mean, it wasn't-
1: But we exist.
0: I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> obscenely longer, but it was longer. Let's start going into talking about the season itself. Starting with what I would consider, you know, the first mini-arc. It was two separate episodes, but it formed its arc.
2: Ruby getting therapy.
0: Episodes 40 and 41, An Old Familiar Sting, and First In, Last Out.
2: I
1: like New uh, Hornet. She's the sun to Austin's moon. Because, like, Austin was like, I'm tough uh.
0: This is where we found out that there was someone impersonating Hornet. And you guys set up a little bit of a trap to find her. And that led to meeting the Halloween gang, bank robbers. Dumbasses.
2: I'm going to take credit that it was my idea that we should have someone should take like someone should take over the mantle from Hornet.
0: That was the extent of what you gave me as a prompt. Uh, what do you think about what I did with that?
2: I love Pam. I'm so, I'm like, I'm proud of myself for being like, yes, I did this. I, you did it. But like, I'm taking credit.
0: I like to make it very clear that I do listen to what you have to say. I just might want to do a go about it a way that might not be expected. Mm hmm. Like, I don't know if you had expected me to start this off as someone you were kind of in conflict with.
2: No, but I liked that, because it also, it made sense that Ruby would be, like... Ruby's a little hesitant to it. Got... Ruby was closer to Austin than, like, either of the other two.
0: Protective of the mantle and whatnot.
2: Yeah, and I had tried to, like, take it over, but it's just, like, I'm a pretty different hero than than Austin was. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, hard, and I also uh, fight... I'm not, like... The North End is important to Ruby, but it's not her only responsibility, so it's, like, hard to only focus there.
0: I'd have to go back and do the math. I know that real-world and in-world timeline that Pam has been around longer than you knew, Austin. I don't know if she has been in as many episodes as he was yet. I think she has, but I'm not 100%.
2: I would, yeah, I'd have to do the math. I, like, I want to say she He he
0: died in episode 26, technically, you know, maybe 27
1: if you want to think about it, really. yeah. Why the episode did we meet Hornet? Because then, like, I feel like he was around for such a long time.
2: Enough that, like, it made sense for us to spend an episode, like, mourning him.
0: Step up, part two, the streets. So chapter 10. Um, so, yeah, you met him in chapter 10. He died in chapter 26, 27. Uh, and a few of those, like, four of those were when you were off uh, with Sama in, in Zombie Island. so
2: Oh, I forgot about Zombie Island.
0: He had an impact, but he did not have a great many appearances
2: many a great character like that
0: you know he was your first contact in the north end and um and yeah i guess we can talk about pam a little bit i i did a lot that i wanted to kind of set i wanted to make them have be them similar but set them apart
1: oh yeah they're very much their own people
2: i also loved pam being uh, such a young hero compared to like austin was like austin been doing it a while
0: right i think austin when he died was like Similar age to Ruby, so like I think like, he would have been like 29, 20, 28, 29, something like that.
2: Um, you say similar age to Ruby, I think Ruby's younger than that. Ruby's younger than Rachel is, so.
0: From when he died, like she is now older than he was, I'm pretty sure.
2: That makes sense.
0: Because he died within like a year, I think, of meeting her.
2: That makes Ruby sad.
0: I knew that, likely, and I was right, that Laserhawk would want to maybe protege her.
2: And then Ruby, it's fr- like, Ruby is like, I know I should be, like, friendly with this person, but also, this feels weird.
0: That's, that's an interesting thing I'm also going to add to the notes, that despite Ruby being, like, very protective of the mantle, there's not a ton of scenes that are Ruby and Pam
1: specific. Yeah, none that I can think of, actually. It's, o- it's always Laserhawk.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to have more scenes with just Pam. I, th- I think it's, like, implied that we train together with Laserhawk. We don't tend to see those scenes.
0: The only scene that I can really think of that, uh, that stands out is when you were all towards the end of the season in that warehouse and she gets hit a bunch. And so her suit like malfunctioned.
2: Oh yeah. And I, i made a wall, right? To like,
0: yeah, like you j- dived in and protected her. I don't know if you knew this at the time or if I told you since sense that that was very purposefully supposed to draw some uh, parallels with when Austin died because her suit got like crushed and damaged during the process. Yeah,
2: Ruby was, Ruby was going through some drama. I was like, nope, not the fuck again. I can think of some, like, silly scenes between the two of them. Um, like what? There, I know there's a time where I'm, like, on, with, like, Laserhawk, I go for, like, Affinity and Beyond, and she's like, is she always like this? It's like, yes.
0: And listen, we could spend an entire episode talking about everyone's favorite villain, the Halloween gang, but I think we can just move on for now. (laughs) Dumbasses.
2: God about them.
0: You know, who basically were a bunch of uh, ex-soldiers who uh, got screwed by the system and decided to rob banks. Oof. Let's move on to chapter 43, Earth Below, uh, which represents uh, your first uh, contact with the Green Wave, who might have been classified as slightly less silly the first time around.
1: And then they started just letting cars idle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) At some point, they picked up that Acme sponsorship.
0: The first episode that you fought them was uh, they took a bunch of a bunch of oil execs and, uh, and assistants and whatnot hostage.
1: Talk about a retcon, I should retroactively regret it.
0: <laughs> they were going to blow up a skyscraper that also had uh, uh, oil, oil executives and assistants in.
2: Okay, if you blow up a skyscraper, there's too many fucking civilians on the ground. Like, if they would have just taken
1: them to a remote cabin, we wouldn't have even bothered. No, if it was a skyscraper filled with
3: ninjas, we'd have just let it tumble.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was your first experience with the Green Wave, which Dan coined the name of.
2: Oh, yeah. Did you heck have a name you were going to go with?
0: There was a group that we had established called the Eco Friends, and I think I thought about, kind of, I wrote down, like, a, a temporary name of Eco Fiends.
2: <laughs> a little
1: on the nose.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I also like the idea that yours is, like, a little subtle and a little cooler, and, uh, let's see, the next episode was, uh, Justice and Security, where you started doing your depositions, uh, you got to meet, uh, Douglas Pennington III and, and Judge Lynch.
2: I think, did I add the third to his name?
0: I believe so.
3: Fucking Darren or whoever that guy was on the jury.
2: Because I don't think you're allowed to know jurors' names.
0: But yeah, that was basically your first meeting, and they kind of started asking you questions, and they were like, we're going to determine whether or not this needs to have a trial or not. And then everyone uh, went back to Jack's pub, and everyone noticed that Jack was very tired and needed a new bartender.
2: Is that where we accidentally were like, by the way, this is Hornet?
0: No,
3: that was after she got hired, where you were like, ah, by the way, this is Hornet.
2: I did not. That was Dan. That was Dan.
3: My apologies, Rachel. I should have fucking
1: known. Oh, that's right, because, because I just was saying some shit, and you're
2: like, ah, it's canon now. You said it, and I was like, Dan, shut up!
0: Uh, chapter 45, Hell Above, this is, one, the boat issue that we'll talk about that, that Brandon alluded to, and two, also first the first time uh, with Yarkalen on the surface. I think, really, the first time we dived into meeting Yarkalen. Kalen. <laughs>
3: dived into- Is that when he
2: fucking bloodbended?
3: No, that was when I had my lovely day with my son and
0: y'all went to the club.
2: Ah, uh, yes.
3: That was- we're gonna get to that, but man, that was one of my favorite episodes
0: your caitlin came to the surface you're all like let's go check out this beach thing and basically uh, a giant oil tanker slammed into a cruise ship and hit what's the word went aground
2: did brock hold a building up
0: uh yeah he had to hold a building up just long enough for civilians to get off of it Mm -hmm. a thing that mechanically shouldn't have been possible but it was cool
3: and i argued mechanically shouldn't have been
1: possible
0: you did you did I looked up later on how much a, a small building weighs, and a small building weighs a lot more than I realized.
1: Yeah, it's a whole fucking building.
0: Yeah, but it was like, it was, it was small, I thought it was a you know, small building. It's a fucking
3: building! Like, listeners at home, me and RC argued for like five minutes, and mind you, I was arguing against me being able to do it. <laughs>
2: Rule
0: of cool. Narratively, it worked out. Mechanically, it didn't. Yeah,
2: that. If I'm, I'm trying to remember correctly. I think Ruby tried to make like columns to help.
1: Yeah, you did.
2: Yeah.
0: So that was that was the the gist of that episode. And and you and also you found out that Ruth Day now works for the uh, supervillain Assault Specialty Squad.
1: She's a sassy girl now.
0: Yeah, she's a sassy gal. So then the next episodes were Justice and Security parts two and three. That is where you got to meet the Crafter.
2: The Crafter. It's fun. I like. It's fun. You are ha- actually having a character that's like that you've gotten to play as, like a player.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, that was not an original plan for the season when I you know I brought in the character. Like I wanted to a certain degree. I, I find the crafter his powers can be a little too plot convenient. So that's why a lot of times like he's not always available.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's why he's only around with Brandon DMs.
0: There's a certain factor to that. Is that when I first started writing the season, Brandon had suggested the idea of doing like this little switcheroo. But we didn't know for sure until closer to when it happened that I was going to be playing The Crafter. I was kind of trying to think through who I wanted to play. To talk about chapters 46 and 47, I don't think I mentioned this. Two things. One, I really liked that I did something that I stole from Star Trek Discovery, which was to have a part two that was not consecutive with where it came chronologically.
2: I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, because Justice and Security part one was chapter 44, and then parts two and three were 46 and 47. Specifically, in part, because I wanted to name the Green Wave arcs uh, Earth Below and Hell Above. Wanted to give them very, uh, I don't know, different naming conventions. So this is where you s- kind of the final parts of the pre-trial, uh, where Judge Lynch was like listening to everybody and determining if they needed to move forward. And then also the attack from Decay, which made up pretty much the entirety of Chapter 47.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Cyril Emmett, a.k.a. Decay.
1: Fuck that guy and fuck Betsy for making him. I mean, it wasn't just Betsy, right? Like, she was, she was involved. It wasn't her brainchild, right?
0: Uh, it was Betsy's idea. Oh. It was Betsy's idea. Betsy was the one who basically put it forward and kept it secret. She came up with this idea when Yardak uh, showed her the slam packs. She thought, what can we do with this? Let's give it a try. It went horribly wrong, so she stopped doing it. And then this guy was kind of, like, locked up, and they were, like, trying to figure out how to safely transport him when he broke out.
1: So she wasn't trying to do a bad thing. It just... No, it
3: was... Uh, She was only trying to fuck with someone's DNA. What could have possibly gone wrong
1: there? Uh, I don't know. Ask Ruby.
3: If we
2: don't do this shit,
3: uh, my DNA is fine. I just had to watch about a dozen other people die in the fucking process. Hence why I might be a little salty about this. Can we get Brock in with Dr. Bellum or something?
0: Maybe. We'll see if Dr. Bellum's alive after the invasion. Yeah, that's fair.
3: I swear to fucking god. Oh boy, that would undo a lot of the work that Ruby and Dr. Bellum have
0: done. Decay was meant to, I knew that it would cause a bit of a wedge in regards to, like, your relationship with Union. I wasn't exact, like, I can't predict everything. I'm not that good.
3: You didn't predict that I was the only one who was going to hang on to it for more than an episode, and boy, did I cling.
0: Not only that you would hang on to it, but like you got very specific. You flip-flopped a little bit, like there were a couple times where Betsy showed up, and you weren't that upset, but a few times. Well,
2: yeah, because she was convenient then. I think it does help that also Ruby and Yardek had a better relationship to begin with with Betsy.
0: True, a more, a more firm standing. Because when you
1: started at Union, it was not great. I did show up, and Union was immediately like, hey, fuck you, buddy.
2: Also, Betsy wasn't even around.
1: Oh yeah, that's right, it was Ramos that had the issue with you.
2: Um, have we even seen Ramos at all this season? Have we seen him a little bit?
1: Yeah, he kind of fucked off for most of the season.
0: I think you saw him a little bit during the trial, and that was the extent of it.
2: Uh, Yeah. Good, fuck that guy.
0: Well, I mean, when you look at it, Union as a whole went from having a couple hundred agents in Riverside to having, like, ten.
2: Yeah. I understood why Ramos was gone. I just was being able to make fun of him with the little salutes.
0: What did you think of, again, thinking back on it, the fight with Decay? Like, Decay as a villain for the group.
1: I thought he was actually really cool, and... Yeah. Not that I, like, want to fight him again, but, like, of his powers, he was one of the cooler villains.
2: Sorry you didn't get your third arm.
1: Thank
3: you. I appreciate that. I still bring that up to Robert so frequently, it's not even funny.
2: Um... One
3: thing I really appreciated about the Decay fight was that it was the first time, at least the first time since I'd been on the show, where, like, I genuinely felt like we could lose this one.
0: It was pretty hard. It was definitely, it was also definitely the first time that you had a one versus many fight that felt like not, that did not feel in your favor. Like, you've had a few, I think, m- like, multiple combatants versus you where it was like, oh, this is a little even.
2: The first one I could think of is the fight where Austin ended up dying.
0: Right, right. I mean, but even that was, like, multiple. You had, like, multiple gang members and the Midnight Gang. Like, this was the first time it was, like, one versus all of you, and then some backup, and you were still like, oh, fuck.
2: Yeah.
3: What I'm saying is this is the arc where Brock almost dies became a once an arc trend.
0: Yeah. And then we led right from that into uh, chapters 48 and 49, the old Texas switcheroo, uh, otherwise known as The Gears Keep Turning and Sins of the Father.
3: Yeah, I mean, the initial idea for The Underground came from me and my buddy Demos specifically building out our own superhero universe. Once I had become a bit more established on the show in season two, I felt more comfortable pitching ideas
0: mm-hmm.
3: to the point where I'd argue that our world building is probably a 70-30 split at this point.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of what we do, too, is it's, I would say, even maybe 60-40, but a lot of it also involves, like, figuring out how to retool your thing to better fit in, in this, uh... Yeah,
3: that's fair, because a lot of the shit that I pull for this show is from the Teslaverse, uh, which is the universe that me and Deimos created, but I digress. The whole idea for this adventure literally did come from, like, the idea of, hey, R.C., wouldn't it be funny if we pulled the old Texas switcheroo? I'm um, Rachel and Dan, and didn't fucking tell them until it was happening. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs>
2: That's exactly what fucking happened.
3: That was the entire genesis of that idea. And
2: there was a second I was so fucking confused when you're like, "I'm the captain now," and I was like, "I was like, huh?" I know,
0: because you thought it. Was, you definitely thought it was a joke, and you're like waiting for us to move on from the joke.
3: Yeah, You're waiting for the punchline, not realizing that you're the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> Which is my favorite kind of joke.
0: That is one of two examples I can directly think of like off the top of my head of, of the show confusing the hell out of the players. And the other one is Elon Musk 69 420 showing up.
1: Yeah, fuck you. God damn it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever cussed as... Vehemently at you as I have during that episode. Which
0: is funny because that was episode seven of the first season. This was episodes, episode, well, it was episode eight and nine of the.
2: Yeah, I was just a little confused. I wasn't mad about it, like <laughs> this time.
0: It was very interesting. I got an opportunity to play in a way that I hadn't necessarily been planning for up until when Brandon really started pitching. Well, I guess, Brandon, you started pitching it towards the end of season one and we were trying to figure out where it would fit in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think also I had the idea that season two might have been even shorter than I had originally thought. Like I was, there was a lot of more, it reminds me of a lot of uh, the, the previous writer's strike of like shows not being the same length as things. Cause like you're figuring stuff out. (laughs) Yeah. I I just wasn't sure what we were doing. And now, now going into season three, I have a more firm grasp of what I want future seasons to look like lengthwise. But yeah. Any other thoughts from uh, the other two players in regards to that arc?
2: It was really fun getting to meet all the new characters. Mosey is Ruby's adopted son. Uh, how old would Ruby been when R- Lizzie was born? That's the real question.
3: I don't know. He was about 12 when you met him, so how old
2: yeah, how old were you when you met him? God, because I keep- keeping up with Ruby's fucking age is so fucking hard.
0: Um, so timeline-wise, that episode takes place, uh, July of 2021.
2: Yeah, so, 26? Uh, have in 14 when he was born.
0: So she was a freshman in high school when he was born.
3: I, I will say, Mosey was just this beautiful, shining so exo- Mosey buzz off is the greatest thing I will ever create. Which is a shame because so much of that Demos came up with, but it's still the closest thing to my crowning achievement I'll ever get, so I'll roll with it. I was not expecting Mosey to take off in the way he did.
2: You gave me a small child to adopt. What did you expect from me? I paved the road for Sticky Steve is
1: what I fucking did. Nah, it's like in any D&D group when, like, in in mine, it was a cobbled, and his name was Archie. It was, uh, you only had it as meta-knowledge and not gaming knowledge that Archie was God, and we just, like, kept this little cobbled named Archie who was canonically God, and we just, like, had him around as a friend, and he just tagged along and did some dumb shit, and that's Mosey. There's one in every group.
2: How could you not see that coming? You're friends with me. You know about my love of the sound of music.
3: You gotta keep in mind that I didn't know much about your media taste outside of Star Trek until I started coming to Movie Night, which was
2: after this. That's true.
0: Yeah, and then that led into uh, Chapter 50, The Ghost of You, which was uh, the level-up episode, and narratively when uh, Yarkalen and King Yarkaven came to the surface for the first time. Yarkaven basically was like, not proud of, of his son, basically, like, uh, your Kalen got drunk and, uh, embarrassed y'all at a, uh, UN party.
2: Was Raina Morris there?
0: I believe so, yes.
3: What the fuck was Brock doing during that? Because I don't remember going to any UN party.
0: You did not. That was the level-up episode, so you were all kind of off doing your own thing.
2: Was that at work or something?
0: Uh... I o- unfortunately I only had the notes about the Arcalen thing for. That's probably
2: the only plot important
0: part. Right, exactly. That was the only like major moving forward thing that happened. Everything else was kind of like you hanging out with folks.
3: I have no idea what the fuck Brock was even up to during that episode. So I'm sure it was great. You're probably with your son.
0: You talked about yeah. You did mention about being with your son, and you were like yeah. And now I can jump half twice as far. That was like a real big thing for you.
3: Well, yeah, that was pretty convenient.
0: Chapters 51 through 56 is the trial overall, uh, which primarily consisted of y'all got together for the trial. Yarkailen showed up on land again. Everyone's like, let's go party. And Brock's like, I'm going to go hang out with my son. And when you were at the club, a fight broke out and uh, Yarkailen ended up bloodbending a guy in order to stop him.
2: Uh, yeah. Which, like,
1: I God, I want to do it, but man, it's an evil trait. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because I remember this was, like, kind of the first time Ruby saw the way, like, other people see Atlanteans. I was like, I know it's not all Atlanteans, but he'd be scary.
0: Hey, he had to stop that criminal. Uh, Kevin Lewis gets poisoned while doing the trial.
2: Yeah, you shot my fucking boyfriend again.
0: Kevin got shot. Oh, the the hospital got bombed. The whole city got under attack by the Green Wave in various ways, some more. Some more uh, whimsical than others.
1: Whimsical's the word, okay. You know, leaving
0: cars idling, taking children hostage.
2: I, um, I believe I gave those children teddy bears.
0: Oh yeah. Specifically holding them hostage and making them smoke cigarettes. Which, I, I, I talked about this in the post-episode previously, but that is all based off of a, um, and it's taken some turns to make it more unique and, and its own thing. But a lot of it took itself from a college humor video called The Psychopathic Earth Day uh, Spokesperson.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you made us watch that.
2: I, we watched that before that episode aired, I think, like, before that episode, because I think, like, right after the Green Wave first showed up. So then when we all watching, I was like, we're just fucking living that video now. What's happening?
0: Which is weird, again, for how long that, like, you know, again, how, like, you got to fight, they had, like, some super slam packs, and you all had to fight them in a, in a, uh...
2: Oh, I, that, I dropped an anvil on the guy while he was fucking monologuing.
0: I think that was your first time doing the anvil trick.
2: Ruby and Rachel was so fucking done with his monologue.
0: Yeah, and then eventually that led to the trial. I think, was it Brock or was it Yardak that got up and spoke uh, at the end of the trial?
3: Uh, that was Yardak, though to this day I still wish that was Brock. Yeah, them's the breaks. I feel like we might have won that trial if it was Brock.
0: But you did—you came up with the the not-the-worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario was Union fucking shuddered.
2: Because I just remember being like, uh, can we literally use the evidence of the dude who just said... He thinks he can get away with this because Union isn't powerful anymore?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And you're like, eh, maybe. And i was like, what the fuck?
0: That ended up being submitted as evidence.
2: But they were like, eh, and I was like, this is very good evidence and you guys are being dumb.
0: Well, listen, in a real trial, things would have gotten delayed, you know, because of the attack and all the other things that happened. True. This is a show trial, but not in the sense of, like, being a fake trial. But it's also a fake trial because it's fictional. It's complicated.
2: Our
3: fucking lawyer got poisoned and they wouldn't delay. Big Green would have won us that trial.
0: The trial must go on. And then it ended and Union got kind of cut in half, basically.
1: Half? Way more than half.
0: Uh, but no, I'd say half.
1: For us?
0: I mean, your perspective is is significantly less.
3: We've got like a 20th of the Union before. and We've only got you- (laughs) Now. Shut the fuck
0: up. That led into chapter 57 and 58. When Gods Seek to Punish.
2: Oh, right! I forgot that, because we...
1: Oh, yeah, this was my fave. That
0: was done out of order. Yeah. I believe right after we finished the uh, the time travel arc that we recorded this with Alex Thomas, lead developer for Mutants and Masterminds. Although he was not lead developer at the time we recorded. He was uh, assistant lead developer, I want to say.
2: I don't know what Alex's old title was. I'm sorry, Alex. I know what your current title is, so I, th- I think that's okay.
0: Uh, But yeah, you got to travel across the country with Beowulf son, Best friend road trip!
2: Um, I'm sorry, like, cool Norse gods, fights on trains, hell yeah.
0: Glamour charms.
2: Sign me up. Game boys. Game boys. Getting snacks confusing Alex about our roleplay style. Yeah, it's all food.
0: Our food first roleplay style.
2: Uh, Just a fun fact about our roleplay is that we have to usually record after work, so it's around dinner time when we're recording.
0: It was an opportunity that has led to some really interesting developments for the overall, like, lore of the Mayhem verse that didn't really have a direct impact at the time, but has some downstream effects now.
2: Yeah. It was also, like, it was really fun to get to play with, like, a new player.
0: Yeah, we don't do that too often. I'm trying to think without... Alex was the first, actually, now that I think about it.
1: Yeah. And then when we did, like, the one-offs with, like, Quinn, and then now with, like, Joe.
0: Right, but those were streams. Those were, like, in terms of our actual, like...
1: Oh, and, like, actual storyline?
0: Yeah.
2: The only one I can think of is, like, coming up, but, like, Sama, but which is, like, a little different.
0: Right, I was gonna say, that's the only other time where we've had an, a fourth player.
1: I mean, well, uh, it was a stream, but the one with Quinn uh, on Halloween is, I mean, technically, like, canon.
0: Sure, sure, but I'm saying all of it's canon, 100% all of them are canon, but I'm saying that in terms of our main storyline with our main cast and characters, you know, that was pretty unique at the time.
2: And I'm assuming it is easier for you to have extra people on stream because you don't have to edit that.
0: Exactly, yeah. Adding an extra person to an edited episode adds at least another 20% to the time, for, time it takes to edit it. And how. But yeah, so, uh, but it was still, again, it's really cool to be able to have guests on. It's something I still want us to be able to do in the main storyline, just it's going to be a bit of a treat, you know, as opposed to a frequent
2: yeah, there's a reason Alex was only there for two episodes. Like, Technically, he was
0: only there for one recording. We just It was so long, and there was so much we had to keep, I split it into two episodes.
3: Beowulf was really interesting to watch develop. Uh, Beowulf Odinson was originally one of my characters uh, that I'd come up with. He was originally fucking 19, though. When we, uh, got a hold of Alex, uh, because Alex had kind of a, uh, kind of a time crunch, he asked that we come up with, like, a couple general character pitches that we could throw him and he could take him from there, and we pitched him. Beowulf with as little information as possible, just, you know, son of Odin had a, uh, fancy gun. Uh, I had a bunch more details in my head, but we gave Alex a very bare bones. And Alex was like, yo, one of he was an old spot cowboy, and I realized that I had been writing my character wrong for years at this point, <laughs> <laughs> which was humbling, but pretty fucking cool.
0: Um, yeah, adds a whole new dimension to the past of the mayhem verse. It might have some implications down the line. Alex's input on that was super cool in terms of how it uh, changed how we thought about the character and where the character fits.
3: Oh yeah, radically shifting them.
0: That leads into chapters 59 through 64. Fuck on a distant shore, the time travel arc.
1: Shocktopus. Shoctopi.
0: Uh, Dan, do you wanna do you wanna talk about that? Because that is the Atlantis arc, you know?
1: Yeah, it was wet, it was in the future, everybody that we knew in love was dead, except for fucking Adrian Hughes and like two other people.
2: My boyfriend my boyfriend became a dilf, it was great. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, your boyfriend was alive too, Yarnak.
2: This is true. We didn't trust him, but he was alive. And he wasn't evil, even though we
1: thought he was evil. And I was like, no, I don't quite believe it. There's something funky, but it's not.
0: No, no, it was a a misdirection, but not on his part. (laughs) So in this arc, it starts off with you getting yanked to the future, but first getting misdirected from where the actual story was about to go.
2: Oh, yeah, we were one of the Midnight Gang had been seen.
1: Oh yeah, that's right, and that's when we heard about Blackbrush for the first time.
2: And then we're we're getting ready to go, and then we got we got yeeted into the fucking future.
1: Yeah, because that cause, uh, Ula Bryn suddenly appeared and fought the little uh, not stormtroopers. What do we call them? Death dealers.
0: Um, but yeah, so you got yeeted to the future of an apocalypse where uh, Yarkalan took over the world, basically, except for Riverside, which was the
1: last- The last bastion.
0: Well, one of the last ba- one of the last bastions of human civilization.
1: There's
2: always L.A. Never, never figured out what happened to Bethany.
0: Nope.
1: That's right. Well, I guess
0: if we ever do another stream, that takes place.
2: The bitch died, Rachel! No, I don't accept.
1: Nah, Bethany's a tough bitch. She held on.
3: Congrats, Kawaii Desu Thunderfuck.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, there was a lot of characters. I'd, I have to go back and listen to those episodes, actually, and renotate them to see, like, who all we confirmed is dead or alive. And, you know, again, if we ever do another stream...
1: I'm the crafter's daughter.
0: Uh, just Ula.
1: It's canon. The crafter. Fox. Atlantians. I like that you, like, made her name just she.
2: I need Ula to exist in the main timeline. Yeah. <laughs> we need to find that Atlantean woman.
0: And then wait 15 years.
2: She was cool. The
1: mother of the coven.
0: Yeah, uh, her mother's name was uh, Ula Jingaru. That's where all of the female Atlantean names come from, is because I created an Atlantean that I named Ula Jingaru. And then when we had the idea that uh, Yardak was going to name no- Yar, and then we had the terrible idea of having everyone in Atlantis start with the same, uh, the same prefix.
1: It's all World of Warcraft's fault.
0: Yeah. I purposely tried to do a lot with that arc. We established, you know, Calen, you know, kind of uh, where, what his path was. Uh, what's going on in Atlantis what's going on because uh, Brandon had said at one point that you know we wanted to have Carl have powers and I thought won't this be a fun way to reveal that while not
2: that was like I, lo- I loved that I did love seeing like the older versions of like a bunch of different characters like it was really cool I did like I'm making jokes about my boyfriend I didn't like I did actually like seeing that it was like really interesting to see
3: I love my sweet baby boy.
2: Aww. He's such
3: a good kid.
0: Solar guard. Laser lad. He's godlight. But yeah, and then, you know, Atlantis, we come back to the present, and we still have to deal with Atlantis in that last episode. Oh, you got to meet God, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. God's cool. Oh,
3: yeah, Brock became agnostic.
0: Yeah, Dan, good job.
1: Yeah.
2: He has to appear as dead Atlanteans, right?
0: Correct. Because he's technically not, like, god, god. He's, uh, he's...
2: He's an Atlantean god.
0: Yeah, he is the spirit that empowers Atlantis. Yeah. And I guess not even he. It is the spirit that powers Atlantis.
2: They've got cool powers. They sent us... I guess they didn't send us forward in time, but they sent us back in time.
0: Ula Bryn brought you forward in time. The second to last episode of arc ends with Atlantis getting nuked. We finally brought back the nuke from episode one.
2: <laughs> oh, Yeah! Ah uh,
3: yes. I believe the literary term for that is called Oppenheimer's Nuke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Check <off's> ICBM.
2: <laughs> it was like also really interesting to seeing like being allies with characters we had been enemies for, like multiple ones. Like we had Yortrav, did I get his name right?
0: No, that was that was not Yartrav that appeared in that arc, that was um Yardane, who appeared in season one as the like the religious zealot.
2: Yardane and seeing
0: Adrian Hughes, uh,
2: like all of our fucking villains, like uh,
0: Apocalypse Man and uh, Crystal Tiger died off screen. No one really gave any um, quarter to the fact that Yarkalen was being influenced by like a cursed object.
3: Well, yeah, I thought it was a douchebag before.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we kind of talked about that after the fact is like we never established when he got this uh, necklace thing.
2: Oh, we took that away from him, right?
0: You did, yes. Okay. Yeah, Ulla you you, Bryn took that.
2: Cool. That's, that's the best, important.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, I assume we'll see him again. We can ask.
0: Well, maybe. I don't know.
2: Hey, God, make it happen.
0: Hey, God, it's me, Yardak.
2: <laughs> hey, God.
0: No, bingo, squingo. Actually, let's talk about that for a quick moment, because we also did some streams <laughs> this year. This one in particular, I'm thinking of, is after the storm because we set one of our streams to take place in the immediate aftermath of the future arc of Atlantis getting nuked.
3: Yeah, that's what I got to have my mosey log.
2: I played um, intrepid reporter Shauna Ortega, but now with god powers.
0: Yeah, now empowered by the Atlantean god At Yar Ulin, and uh, Dan got to play a gay Captain America.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A gay,
1: slightly racist Captain America.
0: Gay, yeah, slightly racist Superman Captain America. So like a Homelander meets Soldier Boy.
1: Not God, that's so much racism.
0: All right, all right, all right. So sorry, sorry, I didn't know the show well enough. But yeah, you got to play Captain America. You had Sean Ortega, you had Mosey. So we all get to figure out what happened to them in the future. You know that again. That's a timeline we could theoretically return to again.
2: That was a lot of fun, and I I really love my badass moment of Shada Ortega sa- telling an Atlantean you were such a disappointment. Your God chose me.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a good moment. And that's when you found out that uh, you're Mosey's best friend.
2: Yeah, that made me cry.
3: That entire monologue was built around the premise of I'm gonna. Punch Rachel right in the gut with this. Because ending.
2: now we had been doing movie Mondays, and you knew my fucking taste in media.
3: Well, no, by this point, it didn't even have anything to do with that. You showed your whole ass the second I introduced Mosey.
2: Yeah, this is true.
0: All right, back to the main story arc, uh, chapters sixty-five through sixty-seven, uh, the Clash Club, which was originally titled "The Need for Speed." The
2: need
1: for speed. Nah, that was too on the nose for who would be showing up.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's, I would say, that's why I really liked it. I'm glad that we decided to change it.
1: Mm-hmm. Three words.
3: Sticky fucking Steve.
2: No, we have to fucking talk about Shama first. I don't care that much about Sticky Steve. Sticky Steve was the standout
3: moment. No other character that was introduced or brought back. Matt, fuck Yardack, Ruby, and uh, Laserhawk. It was the Sticky
1: Show. It was the Sticky Show.
0: What about Vapor Kappa? What Vapor Kappa? Yeah, I know, but like it was finally- I built that into that so you could finally capture him.
3: Look, don't get me wrong. The Vapor Kappa shit was awesome. But then you gave me this beautiful sweet angel by the name of Steve of the Stick. Steve
0: of the Stick.
2: Was he a sweet angel?
0: No, no, he's just- he's some dumb hick. With fucking sticky powers. You made a disgusting little gremlin and thought that I
3: wasn't going to latch onto him? Like, I'm not a disgusting little gremlin?
0: Again, I've said this before, but I should have given him that confederate bandana that I thought about doing.
3: (laughs) Our kind stick together on account that we're so sticky.
2: I love Sama.
0: Yeah, so anyway, hyperact, Sama showed back up in the show. That is one of two moments in season two when everyone gets to be a little surprised.
2: I kind of knew something was coming, because... You made a Facebook post in the Riverside.
0: Yeah, in the forum for the software we used, I asked about what are what is the issues that could occur if someone joined mid call.
2: And because I'm Facebook friends with him, it was like your friend made a post. I was like, oh, what do you make a post about? And I took a screenshot. I was like, by the way, sorry. Well, we had no idea.
0: So I mean, but that was also about a year before we actually did it.
2: And then I fucking kept it to myself. Be proud.
0: I'm very proud of you, Rachel. Thank you for not spoiling it for people. The
2: amount of time people would like ask, hey, do you think Sama would ever come back when he'd already recorded it? I'd be like, oh, maybe.
0: Some of the worst parts about how far behind we were with editing was having to hold that in because that was another example of something. I think we had that episode up. I think we had recorded that episode like nine months before it released something like that.
3: Something wacky
2: like that. When we did our anniversary stream, we had recorded that, and people very much were asking about Sama, and I was just like, I would love to-
0: Was Sama- Sama wasn't in the stream with us, I don't think.
2: Not this time.
0: She was in the previous years.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And I was just like, I love Sama. Sama's a great friend. I'd love to have Sama back. Yeah, we were like, it'd be so much fun to have her on. Yeah.
0: Man, we'll we'll be so good if we ever have to do a press tour.
1: (laughs) No Tom Holland's
2: on this crew. Nope. Someone asked us, like, oh, when was the last time you spoke to Sama? And I was like, oh, I talked to Sama in text form, like, most days, like, which is true. But, like, uh, also because we had recorded with each other again.
0: Yeah. And maybe we'll try to do, I mean, the, the, as I say, I don't have anything. I can honestly say that I don't have anything specific planned, but maybe, like, you know, like we talk about how edited episodes can be a little more difficult when it comes to adding a guest, but maybe we can find a way to make uh, another live, a live stream happen, you know, to have the character reappear. That
1: would be really fun. Oh, that'd be fun to keep that a secret.
0: I would say, yeah, and maybe an opportunity for, like, I don't know, y'all to play some other Union characters that aren't your normal characters. Or, I mean, because Myra's out there doing shit.
2: Because we have, like, friends that listen to the show that I trust. Mm-hmm. Well, they would say something. I had to, like, lie to a friend at one point about the last time I would seen Sama.
0: That's dedication to the cause, Rachel.
3: I will say that having Sama on the show was fantastic. Because we finally got the payoff to the who the fuck are you gag that have been going since Brock had been introduced. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: The season finale, you said you wished that you could have done that one last time, but I still think having it end with, uh, with Myra is the most appropriate.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: But yeah, that was an episode we got to return her back. We got to see the payoff from the secret mission she had been sent on in chapter 19. Yeah. Uh, almost 45 episodes later. You know, we finally get to check back in with the character.
2: Um, and I would say, I think all our reactions are great to Sama. I'm- yeah, I think all of us were literally just like, what the fuck? Yeah.
0: I think no one really, Rachel had the inkling, I think, that it could be happening, but no one saw it coming. Yeah.
2: I sure the
1: fuck didn't.
2: Yeah, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I just knew. RC is at one point was planning to bring someone into the streams as a surprise. And in my head, I was like, it's got to be Sama. Like, no one else would make sense.
0: And then story-wise, all of the characters were in a fight club, and you got to meet a couple new characters, Sticky Steve, Claw, Copycat Management, take down this fight club that was kind of, uh, you know, basically human trafficking to a certain degree. Through
3: the rat princess and there wasn't
2: fucking experience. It was really fun, like, using our powers against each other.
0: Yeah, everyone had to fight against each other and uh yeah, Brandon threw the Rat Princess in, which was a character that was established during the uh the underground arc earlier in the season.
3: Really wasn't expecting that one. Like that I think that was the moment where I realized like, "Oh, my world building is useful to the show outside of the context of me,
0: Nino." Yeah, well, I was going to say, and that's why I had to be a little careful at that point, because I was like, I, this is a character that Brandon came up with, and Brandon set up a certain thing for, but I was, in my head, I was like, this doesn't seem to contradict anything about what was set up about this character previously. Oh,
3: not at all. You fit L, and in a greater uh, sense, the Rat Princess, in perfectly. Like, that is the exact kind of uh, scheme that she would have, like, been involved with. Exactly. So, like, you came in perfectly.
2: I feel like I made good use of my visual powers there, making like fireworks and shit.
1: Yeah, absolutely ridiculous.
2: Yeah, you were extra.
1: Oh, and this, and the stairs going up.
2: Yeah, it was fun. Yeah,
1: I was saying it was you good. Were like
3: to... that one show that's on Fox at four p.m. every day.
1: You were extra, extra. Shut the. F- I'm leaving this call. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey out there. Boom, we are back. But it has been a wild summer since we released the season two finale. I'm currently dog sitting, but I've done a bunch of traveling actually. I went to both Origins Game Fair in Columbus, Ohio and to Gen Con in Indianapolis. It was wild to be at such large conventions. I got to meet Rachel in person for the first time in our 10 years of friendship and also got to hang out with Alex and Troy and the folks from Green Ronin who were a blast. This all to say, we are back from our break, and are currently planning a whole bunch of content in a row. Assuming things stay on track, we will be looking at releasing stuff for the next few weeks in a row. That's going to include an edited version of the Session Zero stream we did for Redacted Rangers, that will introduce the characters for that miniseries, which we will then release as three back-to-back episodes, and finishing off that run with our Season 3 premiere, which should hopefully be premiering on October 9th, which will coincide with our five-year anniversary. We will also be announcing some streams, including a series of Halloween titles to follow up on last year's Terror in Tremont Falls. Anyway, that's a lot. Uh, Hope you are enjoying the retcon report. But for now, let's get back to not the game. And then, yeah, uh, we started kind of uh, alluding to some certain things then coming up, like, the next episode involved you getting an assignment by Kevin Lewis to investigate a neighborhood. And it was one of those things where I expected you to go do some, like, personal character stuff. And you were immediately like, nope, jumping right into this mission.
2: <laughs> I feel like every time we'd end up doing that, we end up spending, like, too much time with Ruby at work. So I didn't want to, like...
0: Oh, no, it's totally fair. Like, again, it was one of those times where I just got a little surprised by your actions.
3: Well, I mean, you introduced plot... Actually, no, that makes sense. You were surprised that we actually followed the plot for a change.
2: We were trying- we were trying to be nice.
0: No, no, no. I had just expected when I had the character say, this is not priority, that you'd be like, okay, I'll wait- for- I figured you would wait around for some other thing to prompt you. I figured you would have waited for a second prompt. I wasn't upset about it. I just was surprised.
2: Is that the first episode we ended up seeing, uh, Sloan.
0: God, we completely glossed over that entire plot point <laughs>
2: because fuck him.
0: No, earlier in the season, you had to go visit Sloan to like help get help with the trial. Well, of course I glossed over and I never saw the motherfucker.
2: Yeah, um I was it came up and I was like, I had seen Sloan earlier. Did we have an episode open where I'm with Sloan?
0: You had an episode and I wanna say that might actually be the upgrade episode. Yeah. Now that I think about it, that it ended with you going to visit Sloan and then the next episode kind of deal with the implications of like that meeting which is mostly like you went to get information from him and he leveraged that information for uh getting transferred
2: and then we we saw sloan again during
0: right in this episode arc uh which is uh what lies beneath you got to see him right after he got transferred to riverside where again you went went to get information from him and he turned out to be much more relevant than you realized
2: i am just going to call out myself up there was a badass move that like i saw him getting kidnapped and like blocked the door
0: yeah yeah you use your power dampening cuff to wedge the door open to keep be able to get back to him you
2: know what that was fucking cool
0: 100 percent badass and yeah so that was the episode where you're basically investigating this and also another thing that, just because we're talking about some background things another thing that was happening in the background of the season Beverly and Carl, Brock's ex-wife and kid, moved to town. Carl got into school, started getting a little more fit and stuff like that, leading up to, uh, you know, some things.
3: Some things? We'll get there. We'll get there. Fuck you, RC.
0: He gave him a slight bit of a bully. Brock getting to know his kid better again. Made up a majority of Brock's emotional arc, I think.
3: Yeah, that was just... brian and living through his hopes and dreams.
2: Remember when we forgot Carl's name last season... <laughs>
3: Look, in my defense, that's because right after I came up with the character before I can memorize anything, my fucking hard drive died.
2: That's fair.
0: To a certain point, um, Brock being a dad was more of a gag than a real character trait.
1: And then suddenly he became the biggest character trait.
2: But yeah, because my kids showed up. Ruby and Yardak did not know you had a son.
0: It was like a really poignant moment early in the season where Bev was like, Hey, I got this job offer in Riverside, I'm not gonna take it if you're gonna, you know, piss off to some other town again.
3: That was, uh, just everything with Carl and Bev, like, you know, all the combat stuff has been, like, great, all of, like, the adventuring stuff, but, like, the more interpersonal shit that I've been able to do with Brock Balea, that's where I take a lot of the pride in the character. Mm -hmm. The fact that, like, I feel like it's pretty obvious, anyone who's listened to the show, that Brock Balea started off as a cliché like a giant big bold cliche covered in a highlighter so just watching him become like a human being in season two uh was really cool and i am so excited and so fucking nervous about what's to come with brock and bev and carl in season three And god you can fuck yourself for that cliffhanger rc
0: so just to keep touching on this art uh this arc here Uh, You find out that Black Crystal's still around, you find out they have an underground hidden facility, and they're, you know, kind of doing nefarious shit in Riverside. Uh, You infiltrate that facility, it's using some hologram tech from from Union. We blew up
3: some ninjas.
0: We blew up some ninjas, except you didn't.
3: What the fuck do you mean except
0: we didn't? We didn't pull them out from the wreckage. They never recovered any bodies.
1: Wonderful, then they were vaporized. Like a certain Kappa. Shut up, Dan. Yeah, you
0: gotta put him back through a humidifier to, to arrest them.
2: <laughs> they, were, they were gonna kidnap Sloane to get him to work on the stuff, right? Is that the idea?
0: Uh, yeah, they tried to kidnap Sloane for... You didn't get the exact reasoning, but you got the idea that they wanted him.
2: The fight without our powers was like...
0: At one point when you go into the jail to interrogate Sloane, you're told, like, you have to have on some power dampening stuff.
2: Never again.
0: But it's funny, like, you again, you, you had the same reaction in Chapter 71, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, where you were told that no bodies were recovered. And you were like, what? How?
2: Explain. Explain, God.
0: Ninjas are fast, motherfucker.
2: I'll fucking kill him again. Not faster than a bomb.
0: You had enough time to get out.
2: But I'm a
1: superhuman. You're not even human. I'm a superfish.
3: If we stumble across like a charred ninja, I will happily re-kill him
2: had to run to the fucking water to get away from this thing. I didn't see a bunch of ninjas joining us for a swim, Archie.
3: You didn't, you're right. I'm just imagining, like, Ruby giving a bunch of, like, cold, wet shivering ninjas some blankets.
0: Uh, and then I do want to take an opportunity, we are going to have uh, a bit of a, a listener questions Q&A section, but two of those felt particularly relevant to this section, so I just want to take a moment to
1: I know what one of them is. What is it, Dan? Feel free to say it out loud so I can answer it. It says, why is the horns called the horns?
0: Uh, the holographic hazard intensity chamber is, uh, is basically shaped, the actual building was shaped uh, like when you would make like a hook'em horns uh, hand gesture. Don't fucking
3: cater to this, Texan. These are devil horns. Hook'em.
0: All of these things. That's what it looks like. The building looks like uh, a square with two uh, towers coming out of it.
2: I love that I'm insisting hook'em. I did not go to UT.
0: <laughs> I wanted to give it a nickname because... I I love things that have long, complicated names and then get shortened. And H-H-I-C just doesn't spell anything, so.
3: Yeah, like laser thin hawk
0: Thaniel.
2: We broke RC in a different way.
3: I was about to say, for the viewers at home, RC just had a facial expression that read, I want to kill myself.
0: (laughs) So that question was from our good buddy, Callan. And uh, we have a second question. Hey, fuck you, Callan. No, I'm kidding. I love Callan. We love Callan
2: here. Callan's great.
3: Leave that part in. I want him to have that moment where he's like, what did I do?
0: <laughs> um, and then the second question comes from Squire, who says, at the end of episode 70, there was mention uh, of the player's input in crafting scenes or ideas. Do you try to get those in ASAP or do you wait until they forget they asked? I, I did this a little bit in season two, where I said, what are some things you want to see in the season?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and then I find different ways throughout the season to apply that.
2: Uh, like we talked about earlier, that it was my idea for someone to take up the mantle of Hornet
0: right exactly i'm trying to think of what some of the other ones y'all suggested for season two were yeah,
3: i was gonna say i believe that uh because you did this with season two and i believe in both instances dan and rachel gave you an idea and i gave you a novelette <laughs> yeah novella if you
2: will i wanted to give you an idea you could play with that's what i like um i think i also this is more like really specific but like the idea of her working on like a new space cadet show
0: Right, exactly. I'm trying to think, Dan, do you remember anything about what you would have wanted for season two? I think you said more Ruth Day.
2: I <laughs> think that was really my only request.
0: Season two, I did not get too many requests except for, I think, Bra- Brandon's, one of your main requests was I want to DM episode or two.
2: I feel like maybe we all were kind of like we want to go to Atlantis.
0: Yeah, I think we wanted to know more about Atlantis. Yeah, I think everybody did. Like, we didn't have a specific way of going about it. Certainly not the way that I ended up doing it. Right.
2: And I feel like maybe I might have mentioned time travel, but that's definitely not how I imagined time travel.
0: Oh, I don't remember that if you did.
2: We've heard I love time travel, so I, well, every five seconds I was like, we could time travel, dude.
0: Yeah, now we've had time travel once each season, so.
2: What was season one?
0: Elon Musk.
3: Oh, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Can we talk about the Christmas episode, please?
0: But yeah, to answer your question, Squire, the whole season I don't do that with, But there's definitely things where I'm like, what do you want to see from your character this season? And I figure out how do I mesh these different ideas together? And then some of it is like things that like, oh, I really want to do like this particular set piece. And then I'm like, how can I retroactively work in what they want for their characters?
2: You're pretty good about like taking like as we're improving as we go, like ideas.
0: Right. I was gonna say, I'm not afraid to be like, oh, yeah, I love that. Let's do that. Because I mean, most times it might be something that's more specific to the scene. It's not going to be fundamentally changing to the character. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you to Callan and Squire for those questions. We'll get back to more questions in a little bit. Let's talk about the Christmas episode before we talk about the season finale. And we, maybe we'll talk about the Halloween episode too. But those episodes canonically take place between Sama's arc and the uh, What Lies Beneath arc.
1: Yes, the greatest ex-
0: Please stop that voice.
1: <laughs> Please stop that voice.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: the
3: entirety I had for this bit involved that voice. So I don't know. It was fun.
2: <laughs> I, I had some fun outfits.
3: That's a lie. I've got a bit more to say about it, I guess. I gave Robert an ultimatum. Oh? And that was that he could write the Christmas episode, or I could. That's not an ultimatum. That's just a either or Well, no, because when I pitched me doing the episode, I said it as a threat. <laughs> and RC was like, no, that's a great idea, you should write it. And I was like, well,
0: Joe <laughs> Rogue Androids. Joe Rogue Androids, uh, Sparky Chase Stick. More Mosey. God, I fucking love Sparky.
2: So basically, I should fear holidays, is what you're telling me. No, just when I'm allowed to do them. No, no. RC came, came up with the Elon Musk 420.
3: 69 420. I'm... I'm just saying, you're fucked when RC finally lets me do my Armor Day special. Coming back to Sparky, though, Mosey was a character who I built not expecting to catch on, and he caught on like wildfire. I knew what the fuck I was doing with Sparky.
2: Sparky's <laughs> <laughs> a good boy.
3: Like, four o'clock in the morning one day, the idea of a dog detective flashed across my mind. I played with the idea for a little while, and I just imagined, like, a golden retriever dressed up like Sherlock Holmes. And that was the moment of, like, okay, this is getting put in the Mayhemverse. The question is... Do I ask for permission or forgiveness? I decided on permission, which was great. Because if R.C. would have told me no, that wouldn't have stopped me.
2: Also, I'm imagining him as a red golden retriever, just because a bit more Irish cheddar makes sense for golden retriever, for the Sherlock Holmes golden retriever.
3: Hmm.
2: Also, I grew up with red golden retrievers, so.
3: I love the idea of him getting into a box of hair and eye. Anyways... I also uh, just love that I was able to finally incorporate the Manimal idea. Um, That's an idea that I've had for fucking ages, because, like, I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: Oh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie looks fun. Uh, It fucking does. Mm. Uh,
3: But yeah, so getting to finally introduce that, just introduce, like, the entire space of the underground and be able to finally do something with that. I imagine that it's much the same as how Robert felt when he was finally able to start doing shit with Riverside. It is
2: mm-hmm.
3: creatively satisfying in a way that I have never experienced, and I've been in the entertainment industry since I was 15, so that's fucking saying something.
0: Uh, and you know, while we're on it, we're, we're gonna do just the, the last three remaining uh, streams. Oh,
3: we're going off script, boys.
0: <laughs> uh one was Halloween terror in tremont falls which was your that was your first time where you all got to play characters that were not
2: that was super fun like we were in costume we had a lot of new people around like yeah
0: it was a sl- it was a classic slasher movie a bunch of teenagers in a in a mansion
2: i got to play i feel like a character that's like pretty different from ruby
0: oh yeah you were the
3: cheerleader you
2: were like surprised by that was what i chose and
3: i was the jock guy yeah Find a nickel for every time I played a self insert in a horror game. I'd only have 10 cents, but it's weird that it's happened twice.
0: Yeah, and it was also one of our first times having any kind of guests on. It was our first time having guests for a stream. Yeah, that was
3: our first time having guests, plural.
0: Actually, yeah, it was also our first time doing a, um, a stream that was narrative. Uh, All of our other ones had been like uh, recaps and such.
3: Wasn't that our first stream, the Halloween
0: one? Yeah, technically in order, it went uh, Halloween, primed for the holidays, the Christmas episode, after the storm, which was the time travel one. Blast from the Past, which was our 80s set one, and Sky High Gambit, which was our space one, which we'll get to those last two shortly here. Yeah, Halloween was cool. I have a lot of ideas for this coming October.
3: RC was so
0: disappointed by how few of us died. I, it really is going to make me retool how things go next, uh, next time around, because I'm hoping to do more than one, possibly, this coming...
2: I was expecting a lot more death, I'll be honest. I wasn't mad I didn't die.
0: I added a bunch of extra characters with the expectation that players would die and take on those characters, and then no one died, so I started just, like, killing off... I think I killed off two of the, uh, of the other spare characters.
2: A lot of the extra ones ended up dying, but we didn't die.
0: Well, that was towards the end when I was like, oh, I don't think any players are going to
1: die. We need some horrific death. This is a horror movie. You might not have had a lot of people die, but multiple times Callan has talked about, uh, how much he loves the bear trap trap.
0: Mm -hmm. I hope you guys are excited about the idea of returning, not necessarily to those characters, but to that, uh, genre. Oh no, Brandon Matthews better come back. Oh, I'm not saying never, I'm just saying maybe not immediately.
2: I appreciate horror as a genre. I am, however, a scaredy cat, but it's, like, a little bit more fun for me doing it this way.
0: Like, I was talking about, like, I do want to do more Halloween episodes. So, again, I'm not saying that I wanted to be a little bit of an anthology with, like, different villains and whatnot, but you gotta have a sequel.
2: This is true. Did we, did we see a body?
0: A
3: shrequel. Horoween 2, Horoweener.
2: <laughs>
0: and then next uh, next one was After the Storm, which we already talked about and Prime for the Holidays, and then Blast from the Past, which we decided to go have everybody play different characters. It took place in the 80s, which was, again, a time frame we hadn't really visited before.
2: I feel like I keep saying this, but that was so fun.
0: We, and everybody was kind of based off of something from TV, in a way, or, or movies. I mean, Rachel, your character was I Dream of Genie."
2: Did you all know how obsessed with I Dream of Genie" I am? Like, I was? And then I was like... If you
1: haven't seen that stream, go watch it, because you'll understand. Uh, it was easily my favorite one-off, and it also was just, like, one of my favorite recordings, just in general. Dan
0: got to play a character named who who is very loosely based on Manimal, which is funny... For two reasons. One, because I did not know about the show and then found out that Rachel did and was just shocked by that because it's a eighties show that had eight episodes.
2: Fucking obscure. It does not make sense. But you were describing the show that ends a bit like they bring Manimal back in, which is I need you to say the name of that show.
0: Oh, uh, Nightman.
2: And you're like, Oh yeah, and it was a spinoff of like of this other show you're describing, and I just went, Oh, Manimal. And you're
0: just of Jaw dropped.
2: Utter surprise that I knew what Manimal
0: was. I only found out about Manimal because Brandon had the idea for those half-human, half-animal uh, characters named Manimals. And I thought to myself, is this something Brandon came up with or is this a riff on something I don't know about? And I look up Manimal because Brandon was sleeping and couldn't answer my question. I do a bunch of research. I, start fi- I found episodes online. And then I asked Brandon and Brandon hadn't heard of it either.
1: The one time Brandon's sleeping and this is what happens. Yeah, the one
3: time that, like, I'm not referencing something super obscure.
2: A person who was involved with that guy with the glasses was obsessed with Manimal, and that's why I knew what it was.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, Brandon has shown me, like, Japanese Spider-Man. Still making my way through it, baby.
2: But yeah, one of my favorite moments of our friendship. Like, your, your utter, like, shock.
0: Um, and then Brandon, whose character was kind of a combination of Bruce Lee and Robocop.
3: With a healthy dose of hair metal. Well
2: well.
0: Of obviously, it's Brandon.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> obviously. I feel like most people don't know about my love of hair metal as like a general thing. Yeah, that's like a level th- I guess
0: I guess if you've only heard your voice, maybe, and only have ever listened to the podcast, but if you see a picture of Brandon, you understand. <laughs> <laughs>
3: what the fuck is that? You mean? get it.
0: You've got you've got a hair metal look about you. <laughs>
3: look, I get it. All the hair metal singers
0: are fat now, but come on.
2: Your hair is longer than mine.
0: Yeah, your hair is the longest of this crew.
3: I mean, yeah, but, like, my hair, like, I have long hair, but, like, hair metal hair is, like, butchered until it's put up. Yeah,
0: but you also love, like, synthwave and 80s style, so again, this just, distracts, Brandon. This isn't a, this isn't a surprise reveal. And then, lastly, we had uh, the Sky High Gambit stream, uh, which was our first, chronologically, our first foray into,
3: into space. I need you all to know how much dumber space would have been if R.C. wasn't there to shoot down every third or fourth idea I had. I'm still
0: floored that I was able to get away with Uba Looba Doob. So yeah, that was also another time we had guests on. We had Joe and Wiki from the Untold Stories Project who came to join us for that stream, uh, and Joe ended up playing Uba Doob, a giant floating eyeball. Which I put
3: on the list of aliens as a shit post. Any a funny whoo hoo And then R.C. sent that list to our guest players, and one of them, of course, went, Ooh, I want this shitpost, Jack Denny.
0: They asked me what aliens are there, like, some ideas, and so I sent them the list.
3: Also, you're welcome for not going into a giant diatribe about Midnight Neon earlier, because it would have been done entirely in the voice. Thank you.
0: Bless
2: my brain, my brain just went, who the fuck did I play in that stream? My brain just went, phew. Weren't you, plant lady? Shapeshifter, yeah.
0: So it was a bunch of space mercenaries. This one was run by Brandon. And so basically it was my first time getting to be kind of a backseat producer of an episode.
3: In the theme of Brandon just uses this show to bring his shit to life, the Keeper City Station is an idea that I, uh, I probably came up with that, like, a year or two after Demos and I hammered out the underground. Um, so getting to actually have that be the avenue in which, like, we were more or less introduced... But having you, like, trust me to be the one to introduce that entire corner of the Mayhemers...
0: It's funny, too, because this stream came out after we had already recorded the Space-Oriented Season finale... That's fair, but, like,
3: even with that, like, we dabble, like, we dip a big toe into space with that stream.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, you trusted me to just dive into the deep end,
1: and...
2: Yeah, I was really, I, funny, because I forgot that I was, when I play. I was really excited to play a cornean, because corneans was actually one of the first things we fought in an episode that never came out, or maybe never was recorded. So
1: it's, like, episode zero.
0: Uh, so technically, I call that episode point five. Um, because I think that was the first one we recorded, but it wasn't.
2: That's actually, Accordion is what put my boyfriend in a coma.
0: Yeah, so when the show starts off and, and, uh, Alan records in a coma, that was the reason why. But the recording got messed up. It was our first time recording and we had people in different locations and just, I think the only file that ended up working was, uh, might be Sama's or, or someone else might have deleted theirs by accident. I for, there was a reason why that did not become our first release episode. And I, and I think realistically the show started out stronger for it. You know, it's funny, the first two things we did, that and the real episode zero that wasn't recorded at all, were both space-heavy, and then we didn't really deal with space directly for a while.
2: That's why it's always like, Ruby's been to space, and you just, like, never saw it.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, Quarnian, Rachel got to play one of those. Uh, we also had a Varmite appear, uh, which becomes, again, we'll get to this, the bad guys in the season finale.
3: I got to make a gay Rockman slug-person couple. Yeah.
2: Uh, we also saw Bone Man. (laughs)
0: I don't want to get too lost on this, but we had a stream that we did with Green Ronin, uh, where Brandon played a a skeleton archer character. Brandon fell in love with the character and asked, since it was multiverse related, could we have that character transfer over? And Alex, God bless him, said yes. (laughs) God bless him.
2: I played a little mouse. It was great.
0: So now that character is canon to the Mayhemverse.
3: It's so exciting, because I feel like I'm going to be able to use this character in the back door and get another Brandon an idea into the Mayhemverse. I'm going to make it a 50-50 split one day, boy.
2: I, I was going to point out that when you originally put him in the he didn't have a boyfriend.
0: Yeah, by the end of the stream, he did, and now the boyfriend's also in the Mayhemverse. <laughs> And I think this is an opportunity now to transition into talking about the season finale yeah. that finally just came out. Fuck you.
1: After what, six months of recording it?
0: Six months after recording it.
1: I had to sit
3: on that cliffhanger for six months and not talk to fucking anyone about it.
2: Oh my god.
0: So let's, let's now talk about the cliffhanger for just a moment. Rachel, talk a little bit about that episode.
2: Oh my god, I finally figured out what kind of alien I am. Uh, that I am one of the Eldritchi.
0: Which the name for that directly comes from uh, Eldritch.
2: Oh, nice! Because it's funny. Because I somewhere on my computer, I've got like a document of how I've like imagined how Ruby's like got her powers and how she, uh, how it went when she touched the meteor.
0: And also, that was you wrote that for NaNoWriMo, didn't
2: you? For part of Nano Rimo, yeah. National Novel Writing Month so it's like something i've thought about a lot and it's probably something like i've thought about way more than any of you guys have makes sense so it was really cool to like get to see part of that and get to really go into that part of ruby's backstory
0: yeah and then it immediately led into that alien being like you're about to be invaded (laughs) your shit's about to get rocked bro
2: oh no can you help nope
0: And we set up a bunch of world building with having a bunch of characters either previously established or some of Brandon's characters who are, like, off fighting the invasion in other places. But of course, for some reason, as always, uh, Riverside is a target. Of
1: course. Why wouldn't it be? It's the capital of America. Uh, give us a break. The fact that Capybara
3: Kid is canon in the Mayhemverse now, and the Cactus
0: Kid, I like that my characters are in it. Big major combat throughout the streets of Riverside. A lot of references to the beginning of season two and the end of season one, and then it ends with uh, two major events. One is Blazerock saving Carl and jumpstarting his powers, and also revealing who, in-, in turn, revealing who he is to his son. Which you didn't fucking expect. I did not know. I really thought there was going to be like some kind of delay. Like I thought it was going to be maybe beginning of season three. I didn't think you were going to be like, nope, but do it.
2: Honestly, I, I like that. I like that it's the season finale. That's like a
0: good- Oh, I, I, I don't hate it. I just was surprised by it. Nope, I need this fucking kid to listen to me right now. And then the other big thing was that the invading aliens really tried hard and uh, nabbed Gemini, uh, Ruby, and Yardak and took them up to space again, uh, where they were confronted with Unibon, the character they fought in that unrecorded Session Zero. You-
2: uh, fucking asshole. Uh, and So that was also in that NaNoWriMo document that I was, like, how I remembered Unabon, and then I was like, I can, like, uh, fudge some of this, because we never recorded this. I was like, ah, oh, damn it, he showed up.
0: And so, yeah, we ended the season on a cliffhanger, and that was six months ago we recorded it, and these guys hate me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you missed on Glee.
2: Like, oh my god, holding on to this, how do actors do this?
0: Right? When you record a movie and then a year, you have to wait a year for it to come it's out? Easy. They get a shit ton of money for it. We have a different level of connection to our characters than they would to theirs if they aren't also the writer or producer or something. Mm-hmm.
2: I am proud that I didn't tell anyone about anything about the finale.
0: Um, but yeah, what did you all think of the Seeds of Dally, and are you excited to get back into the saddle soon?
2: Yes. Oh yeah.
0: I'm very excited. Fuck you.
2: I want to know what happens, and I want to hurt Unibon.
3: Keep that energy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to
3: keep my kids safe, and I'm going to be real pissed when I'm lugged off to this shitty airship. All right, well,
0: let's, uh, if we're good with it, let's get into the Q&A section. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll start, I'm going to do them in, in order by who sent them. Uh, Callan's got a couple questions for us. Are the previously mentioned Ullaward Society and Matera family going to get touched on more in Season 3? Again, without spoiling anything, I don't have as many direct plans. I have some ideas formulating, but I personally think that will come up more in Season 4 than Season 3. Because I'm thinking a little far ahead. How much would you say your characters have changed from your original ideas of them? Let's start with Dan.
1: I was, that was a uh, big thing that I was thinking about for Yardak, is that like, Yardak's whole thing is that, like, atlantis first like i'm representing my homeland and now like atlantis is kind of like in absolute fucking shambles refugee like societies that are like popping up and like conflict so he's kind of like i mean the atlantis that he like knows and loves isn't atlantis anymore basically so he, homeboy gonna have a little soul searching to do
0: but how does how would you say yardak has changed from when- that's like what we're talking about coming up, right? How would you say Yardak has changed from when you started till
1: now, at least? Oh, well, I mean, season one, I was untrustworthy of specifically Betsy. But, I mean, humans as a whole. And then uh, season two, I'm sitting there on a stand arguing for defensive humans. I mean, that's pretty much the biggest 180. Alright,
0: and uh, Rachel, what about Ruby Lawson, a.k.a. Visual Aid?
2: One, she's pretty young, so she's, like, growing up in a lot of ways. At the beginning- uh ruby definitely saw like oh i have power so like i can help out sometimes if i need to and it's definitely become like being a superhero is part of her identity now Mm. to her now visual aid is just as much as part of her as like being ruby so it's not as like oh oh i just kind of do this as like a fun little thing on the side it's like this is a serious thing that i have to do and
0: this is a a responsibility
2: yes She's not just like an independent filmmaker anymore. She's like very much like in the trenches. She's making things like she's starting to get more responsibilities in work, in life. I I see that becoming a thing even more so like as she, you know, Mm -hmm. that I haven't gotten any less responsibilities as I've gotten older.
0: She's been in a long term monogamous relationship.
2: Yeah, that's true. I didn't like I made a joke about was Rickard cute and now look at her.
0: And then, lastly, Brock Belea, a.k.a. Laserhawk, a.k.a. Sunrise Midnight Neon. Listen, Jack Dede, I can oh tell you all about the way
2: that no. I've changed,
0: but I will
3: change my voice. You really had to set that up. I was about to say, you can't get upset with me for that one, Robert. You open the
0: door, you can't get pissed that I got on the floor and then everyone walked the dinosaur.
2: I'm mad at both of you. That's fair.
0: So anyway, your character, how have they progressed since you started playing them, and what do you kind of see for their future?
3: Brock Balea has gone perfectly to plan. As I mentioned earlier, I had kind of a, uh, three-act story planned with Brock. Act one, season one was Brock the Mission. Season two was Brock the Mess. What can we expect from season three? Brock the Man. Hopefully. Ooh ideally um you know it started off with brock he didn't have started off with a kiss how did it end up like this i mean yeah basically rest in peace anthony you know it started off brock didn't have emotions he just had the one and that was rage um and like even like the beginning of season two uh you know it starts off with brock being pretty avoidance of the group season two begins with like them seeing brock for the first time since the finale of season one and now it's at the point where the season ends with me calling everyone over to help me move furniture and having like a proper moving in party even though i've been there for years because finally it was home
2: yeah that's a
3: good look at it and I think that exploring Brock at his most, most vulnerable, which is going to be in Season 3, that's going to be really interesting. Like, Brock, for the first time since Anthony, has so much to lose now. Don't give
1: Robert ideas.
0: And he's old as shit! The next question that Callan had, and we're going to do this in reverse order this time, uh, how did you all come up with your character's powers? Brandon.
3: I see why you picked me. Mine's easy. I looked at the party, and I said, what does it mean? And you thought
0: lasers.
3: (laughs) Brock Balea was created entirely as a reaction to what the party had, what the party was losing with Sama leaving, and what the party needed overall. That's why he's kind of a more one-dimensional character, power-wise. I saw that there was a massive gap that the party needed filled, and I filled it, as only an angsty 40-year-old Gen
0: Xer could. All right, uh, Rachel. So I
2: actually probably came up with Ruby being a film student before I like came up necessarily with the powers.
0: I think that's right. That sounds familiar to me. That's funny. I came up with Brock being sad first.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, what's something? And it's kind of a different path I could have. I personally could have taken. The school I went to didn't actually have a film department. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you've said a a couple times that there is definitely a lot of a lot of overlap between early Ruby and yourself.
2: It updated. As Ruby got older, parts of it differed from me. I said, like, that's a fun, like, day job for a superhero. What power could I have that, like, works with that? And I came up with the illusions. And I was like, oh, also objects would be cool and that could tie into it.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense for, for what she does recreationally. Not to dip into season one too much, but I had the idea... You know, fairly early on I was like oh you know since it's a meteor I don't want her to be a post human this didn't activate normal powers this is alien
2: yeah you came up with alien but I I had said I thought she got her powers from a meteor
0: we, up until that point we had said she was a post human and I was like no I want this to be alien and I think these aliens have the same kind of powers in a different variation
2: and then I don't remember how many episodes in we did razzle dazzle but I knew I always
0: uh, episode two
2: wanted razzle dazzle I waited till we were recording. Yeah. And I knew I wanted Razzle Dazzle to be something that she had always been able to do, but didn't know it until she was behind a wall and like it was a reaction and it just came out.
0: The alien reveal came at the end of chapter 36. Then she revealed that to the team at the end of the season finale, episode 40. And then Dan, what about yourself?
1: (laughs) So it all started when uh, R.C. came over to my apartment and. I was like, sure, you can come over, but I'm, uh, fair warning, I'm already fairly drunk, uh, because you had mentioned that you were, like, wanting to do a podcast thing. And I was like, fuck it, come on over, like, but, I mean, like, this is what you're going to get. And then uh, he brought over the Mutants and Masterminds handbook, and I flipped through it, and I said, that one looks pretty fucking cool. I,
0: and I think it was the warrior archetype.
1: Oh, yeah, I think it was, I was like that, but, like, water powers or some shit like that. And it was just, like, slowly building, and like, him trying to get some shit out of my drunk ass. And uh, he was like, What's the name? I was like, I gave him my fucking World of Warcraft character's name. And I was like, His name is Yardak. And then we just kind of like built it out from there. And like, I kind of unintentionally made him like uh, the love child of Aquaman and Korra. Yeah, definitely. Or uh, Katara.
2: Um, Korra could do that stuff too. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she could. But specifically, Katara.
2: I love that you had a name. Uh, Ruby's name came after a name generator Ruby Lawson? Well, not, like, together. I did name Dan Render. I was like, Ruby works. And I kind of, I went with an R name because I figured I'd respond to it better.
0: Smart move.
3: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Brock Malaya is not because you're Brandon Brownson. Those can't be related at all.
1: I never realized that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're fucking kidding, right, Dan?
1: I never once put that together. Dan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're so fucking pretty. God damn it. Dad. Did you know that Ruby was, did you, did you know that Ruby has an R name because Rachel?
1: Well, I've I've heard you say that before. So I was like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. And so like, and I, I was just like, who else is going to put that much thought into a name? Because you just offhandedly were like, I'm going to use my World of Warcraft name. Which came about because like when you're making a World of Warcraft character, like if you don't just like create your own name, there's just a randomizer button. And it actually gave me Yarda. And I was like, uh eh. I'm like, my character is a dude, and Yarda gives more feminine energy. And I was like, uh, looking at the keyboard, and I was like, put a K, Yardak. Dude, you're gonna shit your pants when you find out how the crafter got his name. <laughs> What's his first name? Robert. <laughs> is it? Yeah. To me, it's just the crafter. Wait, is his last name Crafter? It's like Robert Crafter? What's his real name?
0: <laughs> his last name is Wilson, but.
2: <laughs> Dan! It's a good thing you're pretty. I have a lot of fun playing the game. It's a good thing you're Hank Green's type. Uh, The
0: next question was, RC, how do you come up with creative powers for NPCs and villains? I mostly go, how can I fuck these people up?
2: (laughs) Yeah, can
0: confirm. A lot of it has been, who would be cool people for Brock to fight? Who would be other cool Atlanteans for Yardak? Dan, your nemesis character is a telepath, which wasn't planned, but you had such a visceral reaction to her being an anti Atlantean racist that I was like, well, this character's your nemesis now.
1: <laughs> and the fact that I refused to accept the fact that she was a telepath for how long? Yeah. I was just like, no, that's not her power. And you're like, I'm telling you it is. And I'm like, no.
0: Oh, buddy. Well, because you can roll for intelligence sometimes.
1: <laughs> bitch. Ha! <laughs>
0: Uh, are there any heroes that have been mentioned that we haven't met yet that will be given more lore in Season 3, such as Arbalist? The answer?
1: Maybe. <laughs> yeah. What are you, the fucking feds?
0: Squire, what has been the biggest source of inspiration for the game? These chuckle fucks.
1: Yeah, we say some dumb shit and then it becomes canon, and Robert's like, fuck me, I guess, I guess this is my life. My answer is totally different.
0: Music. I mean, I've definitely taken a lot of inspiration from music.
2: Watching movies and deciding where we should quote from them. Yeah. A TV shows
0: sometimes. I, I've definitely had the idea, like I've just I come up with a lot of like story arc ideas. Um, like a lot of my early world building for stuff from Riverside is like things I wrote ten years ago, but it wasn't like it was character and story arc ideas. It was very rarely, um, villains specifically or anything like that. It was just like I was like seventeen when I started, so I was like what fucking thing was I going through? Probably. I'm like the opposite. I usually come up
3: with a villain first and build out from that. Or a location and build out from that.
0: A lot of times it's who can play, which character can this play off of very well. The one thing that I will say that has been in my notes is that we do not have an equivalent, like, Injustice League. Who's we? You haven't really had any villain group team-ups outside of, like, maybe the, the breakout.
2: Oh, uh, uh, you're saying Injustice. I'm, okay. Yeah,
0: yes, yes. But Laserhawk's whole
1: deal.
2: Well, they're not, like, an
3: assortment of our greatest hints. They're an assortment of my greatest hints.
2: Wasn't that what the breakout was?
0: Yeah, that would be the closest. The other thing, too, I wrote down is that Ruby doesn't have a nemesis.
2: Ruby does not have a nemesis. Uh, we Back it! He might not be a superhero, but he's your nemesis.
0: Your nemesis sucks ass. I can do better. <laughs> uh, what has been the player's favorite scenes for, e- for their characters this season? Starting with Rachel.
2: Oh, shit. Why <laughs> be...
0: Alright, starting with Dan.
1: Really, probably either, uh, not even just scene, but, like, the entire, like, train episode, and then for, like, actual scene, I think probably the fight with, uh, when we're fighting in, uh, Moby Dick's, uh, kind of with and then against, uh, Halen.
2: Never had a fight to be in Moby Dick's, I don't know what you're talking
1: about! Or, uh, where were we, um... The club? Moby Dick's, my favorite nightclub.
2: I think I should fuck you for this earlier, but I do like Ruby having to like go save Rickard. I like that as a like.
0: When he got shot and he was at the hospital and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, you're you're the hero. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta save your uh, love interest every once in a while.
2: Rachel likes that. Ruby fucking hates it.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense.
2: Um, and then also, I think for all of us, uh, Sam coming back because I feel like Ruby and Myra were fairly close, so it was like. For me, it was like, I got to see my friend, and it was the same thing for her. Like, it was a friend she had not seen in a very long time.
0: All right, and a brandy Listen, baby, no, I'm kidding.
3: I will say that the introduction of Midnight Neon is something that I listen back to quite frequently, but that's solely because of how happy you were about it then and how much that them has changed since. My favorite Brock scene of the season was easily, Dad, Do You Blame Laserhawk?
2: hmm mm-hmm.
3: I feel like that was the moment where, like, I was, I was a little unsure of exactly where I wanted to take Brock in season three. That cemented it. Like, that was the moment where it was like, oh, okay, yeah, Brock's thing now is that his son is the most important thing to him. The way it should have always fucking been. Who the fuck is?
2: Good job. Actually, that's how your character has changed the most.
3: <laughs> I mean, basically, like, Brock the mission, Brock the mess, Brock the man. As far as a group thing, um, yeah, Clash Club. Just the whole Clash Club. That shit was hype. I mean,
1: honestly, just the moment that Sama gets on the call. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, really.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll list that probably as my favorite team thing. Otherwise, I would say the fight with Decay. I really loved that.
3: No, no, now you have to do each of our favorite moments, or your favorite moments for us.
2: I am curious about that. Like, what's your favorite moment? But
0: I don't like you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't blame you. Struggle, bitch. Uh, also, the crafter's answer was uh, when he got to threaten L in the underground.
2: Uh, I'm curious, like, what is your favorite character? Your your favorite moment for each of us?
0: Uh, Brock and uh, Solar Guard talking in the future, like just when you guys were shooting the shit before you attacked the uh, the drilling platform. That
3: was a really cool moment. Yeah.
0: Yardak, same arc talking about Atlantis, like, trying to be, like, convince the queen stuff and, and trying to talk people down.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. mm
0: uh, Ruby, probably your conversation with uh, Naren Betris at the season finale.
2: That makes sense, yeah.
0: Getting to know that that thing and your inability to fucking remember the name. Ha! <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nairn Betris, is that, does that make you happy?
0: It does, it does.
2: <laughs> I need to make, like, a post-it note and just, like, keep it here. Yeah,
0: Nathan Buttrest. <laughs> it's been a really good season. Yeah, it's been a really long, much longer season than it should have been. You ain't lying. Well, we've done seventy-one episodes over the course of uh, four and a half years, which averages out. You know, I'm gonna do some math because that's that's what we do.
2: As long as you fucking have to do it,
0: it's roughly fifteen episodes per year, which is not bad, but not nearly as good as I want to uh, for the future. So we'll uh, we'll shoot for more. Uh, Also, Mr. Mighty Fish on Reddit said, uh, I always wonder if there are full character sheets for your heroes slash villains you mentioned in the show, um, like such as the fighters in the arena. By that, I mean, do you write up sheets rather than can I have the character sheet? And the answer for that is eh, 50%. Some of them do, some of them don't. In an ideal world, I would have character sheets for everybody.
3: And typically for my uh, character sheets, I write myself out like a very brief stat block. Like, here's the shit I'm actually going to need. Like R.C. just said, as much as I'd love to be able to come up with like full character sheets for everyone, uh, there just aren't enough hours in the day to be able to go that far in the weeds with it. And
0: editing's a bitch. I'm learning how to use Lone Wolf's Hero Lab, which has been, you know, cutting down things significantly because it does the math for you.
2: Here's like a a fun behind the scenes thing. Uh, The Halloween stream, we were all working on character sheets, trying to get them made to have enough.
1: Oh, yeah, we had like a little uh, character sheet session that just like we're on here.
0: I was like, here's a basis, get going, here's who the character is.
2: Um, I mean, obviously, we all have character sheets.
0: Does anyone else have any thoughts on this season or or the future?
2: I like playing with you guys. It's fun. I agree. You haven't seen the last of me? Oh my god. Why do I have fun with you again?
0: I don't know. I've been asking everyone that question for fucking years. Masks and Mayhem uses the game Mutants and Masterminds 3rd Edition by Green Ronin Publishing. We are not affiliated. Be sure to check out our Ko-fi if you're interested in helping the show grow. That's ko-fi.com slash mayhemcast. Every little bit helps. The episode was produced by myself, RC Byler, with editing assistance by Pope Brandon Brownson. Our logo art is by Jen Evans, and our font is by AJ Eisen. Our theme music is by Pope Brandon Brownson. Our social media links, blog posts, and additional episodes can be found on our website at masksandmayhem.com.
3: Listen, Jack Denny. Do you have to do the voice the whole time? Yes, I do, Jack Denny. Now, you see, when I was originally told that I needed to come up with an alternate persona for one Brock Balea, I went, ooh, now I don't know what I'm going to do. But then I thought, I thought back to my childhood, Jack Denny. And I remember the man, the man of the hour, the man with the power, the too sweet to be sour. I thought of a man who dined in the alleys on pork and beans and who dined in palaces with kings and queens. I thought of the late, the great, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, Jack Daddy. And I went, Ooh, none of my friends, they don't watch no
0: professional wrestling. Is, uh, is the pork and beans thing an actual Dusty Rhodes quote? Because you said it in the episode, too.
3: I I have quoted Dusty Rhodes. 90% of the shit I have said in that voice is just Dusty fucking Rhodes. Well,
0: TIL.
2: Wrestling's fucking weird, Brandon.
3: It really fucking is. Like, Dusty Rhodes wasn't even that weird. Like, for his time, it was just like, oh, he's a dude who grew up in the South.
1: Cool.
2: I fucking knew what Manimal was, and I think wrestling's fucking weird.
1: Yeah. Wrestling's pretty much the gayest thing there is on television. Oh, easily. Wrestling is... Are, are you kidding me? Boiled I- up sweaty men and speedos fading over a belt.